everybody, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Worship with us in song as we sing to, to the Lord today. to choose, to choose to lift you up today, to choose to worship you today, God, to choose to just 
live for you today, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We pray for Brother Darrell as he comes in a little while to deliver your word. God, open our hearts and our minds to receive it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You unravel me with a melody And you surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, I am a child of God chosen me your love has called my name and I've been born again to your family oh your blood flows through my veins and I'm no longer a slave to fear oh I
Unshakable, unshakable. 
Take your Bible with me and turn to Hebrews chapter 7, 11 through 22 this morning. Hebrews 7, 11 through 22 as we go through the book of Hebrews on Sunday. Melchizedek, this uh, mysterious character that the Hebrew uh, pastor brings up and uses a comparison, Jesus, uh, compares, comparing Melchizedek to Jesus. And this morning we talk about the priesthood, the change in the priesthood, and I introduced this a couple weeks ago, and I know it's been a little while. The, uh, the priesthood, Old Testament priesthood, it is very uh, structured. There's a, there's a limit, very limited on, on who can be a priest. Uh, Abraham has a great-grandson named Levi, who's the son, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And God ordained that through Levi, the great-grandson of Abraham, that the priesthood would continue on, and especially the high priest. Levi uh, eventually, through his descendants, uh, has uh, two sons, Moses, Moses and Aaron. And through the son Aaron comes the high priest year by year. All priests are Levites from the sons of Levi. But, however, and in verse 11, if you're looking at your scripture, the first word is, therefore, so. The pastor introduces this analogy of Melchizedek, who's the first priest ever mentioned in scripture, many years before, before Levi, okay? before that structured priesthood. Melchizedek is called a priest. Different. Jesus is a priest after the order, David says, and you'll read it in the text in Psalm 110.4, Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. What's all that mean? Well, we're going to read the text, just introducing it a little bit. There's a necessary change in the order of priests and there's a reason why and we'll get into that so when you read this text it may be after that intro will make a little more sense to you what we're talking about but we are talking about the priesthood and Jesus being a different kind of priest let me add because not only is he after the order of Melchizedek Jesus is from the line of Judah Levi has a brother named Judah Jesus is from the line of Judah, not Levi. So, how can he be a priest? Therefore, verse 11, we'll read down to 22. And uh, 
because in verse 23, that's where we'll stop. In verse 23, the first word is also. So there's a change of thought. Therefore, in verse 11, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, that's what we just said. If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the, to the order of Aaron? Why this change? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. The two are tied together, the priesthood and the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And yet it is far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, and here's the scripture from Psalm 110, verse 4. David writes, You are priests forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment, the old law, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made a priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath, by whom he said to him, The Lord swears, and he will not relent. You are priests forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. So comparing, using Melchizedek to compare, uh, one way to say it would be going from Old Testament to New Testament, leaving the old, coming into the new, leaving the old law of law, works, coming to the new law of grace. Jeremiah talked about this, and he said it this way, that uh, at one time the law was written on tables of stone or on paper, the law was written down. But there come a day when the law will be written on your heart. And that's the, that's the day we are in now. Okay, on your out, there's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. If you'd like to use that, we'll also put the, a lot of this on the, on the screen. So what's wrong with the priesthood? What's wrong with keeping the law? What's, if, if there's this change, Why? Why do we need to change it? What's wrong with the priesthood? Why do we need another kind of priest? What's wrong with the law? Why are we moving on from the law written on paper? And the answer is written down for you. The law is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with me. That's the problem. Nothing wrong with the law. Why change the law? Because why? We can't keep it. Okay? Because we can't keep the law. And the law, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but the law was written just to, for that fact to show us that we can't keep it, okay? Now, 
years ago, I don't remember how many years ago, a long time ago, we were, I was in a small group, and the person in the small group asked the question you're going to see on the screen or if you're looking at your, at your outline. This, I'm going to slow down a little bit right here. And this is the, really the point, what I want to make. I want to drive this home to you today. The message today is a lot more than just about law and priests, okay? That's just like the pastor then is just using, using it as an analogy for what's going on in our life right, right now. But anyway, so I was in this small group, and we weren't really talking about this, but I, I never forget the man sitting right there on the front row asked me, and it stumped me. The question, will the Holy Spirit lead you to something he knows you will fail at? Will the Holy Spirit lead you to something he knows you will fail at? I wish people out of the blue would ask you stuff like that, you know. What would you say? I really hadn't thought of that in the message today, but now I do. And... We kicked it around. It's a small group. You know, that's what we do. We talk and we kick things around and we don't know that we're right. And a lot of times in small groups, we come back the next week and talk about it because we have to, I have people ask me things. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer to it. And so I'll, I'll look it up and I'll work on it and we'll come back next week and talk about it. But we, we talked about this in a small group. One of the best discussions that I remember, will the Holy Spirit lead you to something he knows you will fail at? Well, the answer is yes, obviously. Isn't that why he introduced the law? In fact, uh, Matt, let's do this. Uh, let's go to the text out of Galatians, and then we'll put this question back, back up on the screen. Here's a text out of Galatians concerning the law. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a... Schoolmaster. The law is a schoolmaster. Now let's go. There, there, there you go. The law is a schoolmaster. What's that mean? The law was given. There, what's, what's wrong with the law? We already said there's nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with me. So the, the law was given to a schoolmaster to teach me. What's a, what's a schoolmaster do? They teach. The law was given to teach me, here as simply as I can put it, that I can't keep the law. So God leads us, gives us, them are, gives, our, gives our ancestors the law knowing that they can't do it. Knowing that they can't keep it. God gave them something, introduced something, wrote something that he knows that we, they, will fail at. He knows they will. That's why he did it. It's the, school, the law is a schoolmaster to teach us you can't do it. So, that's why you need Jesus to do it through you. The reason we need Jesus is because we can't keep the law on our own. He had, I said, wow, you know, does God have to do that? Yeah, because I think we're so hard-headed, sometimes we're just not going to get things any other way. So the answer to the question, will the Holy Spirit lead you to something he knows you will fail at? The answer is a great big yes. He's already done that. That's what really the Old Testament is. It's a picture of you can't do it. You're failing at it. When the Israel, just time and again, when the Israelites, for instance, the first time 
they came up to the Jordan and were to cross the Jordan going to the promised land, and they didn't do it. That's one of the most discouraging stories in Scripture. They're right there at the edge, and they are told to go over, and they won't do it. How, dis how discouraging. Well, should that surprise us? It it's kind of surprised me. I thought they would go on over. It doesn't surprise God at all. Because he knows we're going to do that. He knows we're going to fail. So yes, yes, I, and I just, I need you to deal with this because now we're talking about a whole lot more than just the law, the Old Testament going into the New. I want you to apply this question and the answer to the question to anything and everything. Not just the law, not just the priesthood, but bring it on down is exactly what the pastor in that day was trying to do. Bring it on down to where you're living right now. To what's going on with you right now. Will the Holy Spirit lead you to something he knows you will fail at? It almost sounds like something God wouldn't do. But the Bible is full of God doing things like that. And so the answer is yes. And we have to deal with the answer. Yes. God will lead us to things that he knows that we will fail at. Here's the one, one reason why, the next screen, learning real dependence often comes from failure. Finally getting that I'm not able to do it on my own. Real dependence often comes from failure. Finally getting that I'm not able to do it on my own. I'm, also, I'm trying to slow down right here. What's God trying to do? Trying to show me that I can't do it on my own. Why is God letting me fail? To show me that I can't do it on my own. What's that lead to? That I need him. That I need him. Why aren't things going real well? To show me that I can't do it on my own and that I need him. Why does, uh, why does God seem so distant at times why are is are things such a struggle at times why you know the word failure is a harsher word than I really would have liked to use but there are many variations of the word sometimes it's not that I'm a failure it's not that I have failed but I'm on my way it's just not going well Whatever, okay, what's it? Whatever it is. It's just not going well. It's trying to fail. It seems like it's failing. Now, we may not have hit rock bottom yet. That's what I'm trying to get you to not do, is hit, don't hit rock bottom yet. And understand that, you know, things aren't going well. It's a struggle. And, and I don't know, I, I don't know what all God's trying to do and what all God's in. There was a Sunday school class, Tony's class, the question was a few weeks ago, does God allow things or cause things? Does God allow things or cause things? And my answer is what? Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. I know this. I don't know, I don't know what all God causes. I don't know what all God, God allows. I don't know we're ever going to get to see that. I do what I wrote wrote down beside my uh, beside that though is God uses God uses 
everything. And we'll see that over and over again. God has a way of turning bad into good. But learning real dependence often comes from failure. And finally getting that I'm not able to do it on my own. That, what's God trying to do? That. That. He's trying to finally get you to look up. He's trying to get you to pray. He's trying to get you to seek. It's a, it's a ask, seek, knock. Why? Because I need it. Why is God letting me seemingly fail? Because he wants you to look to him. The scripture, John chapter 15, 4 through 5. John chapter 15, 4 through 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you, Matt, let you, I'm, I'm, I know there's two screens here. Let's just leave that one for a second. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, Jesus said. Neither can you unless you abide in him. Now the last verse is maybe a little more familiar to you, a little more famous. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Here's the phrase. For without me you can do nothing. You've got to learn that. I have to learn that. And I, I want to tell you right here, God means that. Jesus said that, Jesus means that. He means exactly that. Without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say much. He didn't say a little. Nothing. And what's God trying to do right now? He's trying to teach you that. He's trying to show you that. Why is God allowing this? Because he's trying to teach you that. He's trying to show Hey, you know what? If God lets you off without teaching you things like this, then that's, then that's not fair. Because he's teaching me this stuff all the time. He's teaching me this right now. Okay? You don't get a free pass. We all learn this. And we learn it through uh, the times that we would call the failing, the failure. It, you know, it may not be. It's just simply God teaching you. You, really, you, you must take a break. Stop. Look up. Whatever it is that he's trying to teach you, whatever it is that you're struggling with, just take a break, stop. It may be a relationship, a, a career, just, you know, we, we could go on and on. Whatever it is that you might be struggling with, stop, take a break, and look up. We could say it this way, God, what am I missing? <laughs> you ever done that? God, what am I missing? And he says, finally, you've asked me. Finally, that's what I've been trying to get you to do. You mean to tell me, Pastor, that all this stuff I'm going through is just getting, is God just getting me to pray? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this stuff we're going through is just God getting us to pray, to ask, to seek, and to knock, because you can't do it without him. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. And uh, here in a little bit, uh, Bobby and Ashton are going to come up. But uh, Bobby, you might want to get Trip out of the nursery. You don't, there's no big rush. But 
here in a little bit toward the end. I'm going to ask our congregation to stand, if you would. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. As many people as there are in the room, that's how many things are going on. No way anybody in the room can keep track of that. There's no way any of us can, can know. And i tell you what, many times I've been in church and things are going on with me that no one knows. I haven't told anyone. I don't have to. Jesus sees it right now. Jesus sees it. Remember what Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And it could be that the struggle that you're going through, and it seems like a failing, I, I, I don't know, there's, there's more ways to say that, but the struggle that you're going through is God's way of showing you that you need him. So this morning, what this is, what all this is, is for us to stop, come into the Lord's house, we take a break from life, we stop, we take a break, we look at what's going on around us and what's going on in us, and say, Lord, I need you. And that's what this prayer time is. Simply put, Lord, I need you. I don't need more of me. I don't need to struggle more. I don't need to try more. Lord, I just need you. If that's where you are, if that's what's going on with you, if that's where you're at, Lord, I just need you. That's what this prayer time's for. These altars are here and these seats are here. You can come and stand, kneel, sit. If you just need to come and talk to the Lord about things going on with you and around you while they sing and play, we invite you to come and pray.
temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, show my hope and stay. Oh God, how I need